Lucha-Masks.com, in partnership with Mass Republic, give you personal protective masks to keep you Lucha strong in the fight versus COVID-19. With world-class luchadors Blue Demon Jr., the Lucha Brothers, L.A. Park, Ultimo Dragon, Kane Velasquez, Conan, and so much more. Head to lucha-masks.com and you too can become a masked warrior. Lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, luchacentral.com presents Straight Out of the Bodega with King Fatboy Papo Esco. From the wrestling world of the podcast world, it's Straight Out of the Bodega with your host, the King Fatboy Papo Esco. It is Thursday, September 24th. And you have arrived, pulled up. Welcome to another edition of Straight Out of the Bodega. I am your master of ceremonies, the bully from the bodega, the lucha thug, the one-man lucha gang, El Rey Gordo himself, the king fat boy, Papo Esco. And as always, we're going to take you on this ride. A ride through the blocks, back alleys, and street corners of the bodega. We're going to give you everything you need that's pro wrestling and entertainment. I'm ready. You better be ready. So take a seat, pour up your favorite drink, and let's ride. Paul Ellery and Animal right now. All right, and here we are, Animal and Paul and Animal. No doubt what you folks did to Sting, just unreal, unbelievable. Will you sign a match now? Will you take on Lex Luger and Sting in a tag team match? Don't tell you anywhere! Dusty Rhodes, first things first. Don't you come out here and show the intelligence of anybody calling us a backstabber. Your problem is you care too much. We don't care about nothing. Miles helping poor kids. We don't care. You took money out of our pockets. Don't you call us nothing. As far as we're concerned, you just dropped dead. Now stay. Let's longer. Yeah, you're in great shape, Steve. You're going against Barry Whittem for the U.S. title. Lex Luger's going against the world champion, Ric Flair. He's got to be in great shape, too. Those are two single matches. What you got to do is you got to get ready for the road wars. You see, as a tag team, we're in a class all by ourselves. Now, Bob Kyle, I heard your interview. They're out there saying they got a dark side. They found a dark side to them. They saw all that the World Warriors could dish out. We have always had a dark side in us. We have never had to fight it. It has been bred in us. We are violent. We like it. Don't make threats. You can't back up. You want to get in real us? You better be in the best shape of your life. All of us here at Straight Out of the Bodega want to send our deepest condolences to the family, friends, and fans of Mr. Joseph Laurinaitis, known all around the world as Road Warrior Animal, one half of arguably one of the greatest tag teams of all time, the Road Warriors, along with his partner, Road Warrior Hawk, rest in peace. I mean, guys, in, in a time where there were tag teams like the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, the Fantastics, the Fabulous Freebirds, Arn and Tully of the Horsemen, here come these two big burly badass dudes from chicago crazy haircuts crazy face paint shoulder pads with steel spikes coming out of them muscles everywhere when they got in the ring they weren't trying to wrestle you they were trying to beat you to death and they definitely struck fear inside the ring and outside the ring i mean when you talk about a hall of fame career the road warrior name hawking animal transcended professional wrestling much like the rock Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, guys like that where you have non-wrestling fans who don't know much about professional wrestling, but they do know the name, The Road Warriors, Hawking Animal. That should tell you right there of the storybook career that both of those guys shared, and we are very saddened to learn that at the age of 60, Road Warrior Animal has passed on. We again want to send our condolences, our thoughts, and our prayers are with the family, and we just want to say, Road Warrior Animal, Godspeed. We got a great show for you today. 
pulling up to straight out of the bodega for a sit down. We got a Chicago native American luchador. This guy started his path to professional wrestling and training in traditional lucha libre and now he's ripping and running throughout the United States and Mexico gaining ground. He signed and is on the current roster of Court Bowers Major League Wrestling and you know they got the restart so this dude is getting ready to get it popping once again. I'm talking about my boy, the base god, Charlie Santos himself, Gringo Loco is on the podcast, man. We cannot wait for you to hear this interview and we're going to get into it. But before we do that, you know we got to take you to the golden voice, the first lady of the Lucha Central Podcast Network. I'm talking about my girl and yours, Denise Salcedo with Lucha Central Central. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of luchacentral.com. Monday, Lucha Libre Figures and Facts returns with a brand new episode. Find the video version of each episode on the Lucha Central YouTube page at luchacentral.com or listen on your favorite podcast platform. On Tuesdays, Mass Max and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at luchacentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast. One in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed and please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love for now this is denise salcedo signing off from lucha central central have a great week and as always man it's interview time what's going on everybody welcome to another edition of straight out of the bodega i am your master of ceremonies the king fat boy papa wesco and we got a great show Great interview today, but before we get to that, you know I got to introduce my boy. Got to introduce my brother, man, my mentor, owner and operator of Pro Wrestling Revolution, mm. owner and operator of Pro Wrestling Revolution Training Academy, <sighs> owner and operator of the Lucha face covers that are sweeping the nation, www.lucha-masks.com. I'm talking about Gabe Ramirez. What's going on, man? Oh, man, right up, bro. What's going yeah, on? Yeah. How are you, dude? Uh, very, no, I'm good. Uh, hope you're staying safe and and you're we not are. breathing in all that nasty smoke, man. I mean, up here in California, man, we we you know, COVID's one thing for all of us, but geez, yep. man, it's like you know, I know I I was close to. I mean, you know more than anything because you were helping me. I was close to evacuating the smoke, yep. the fire, it was a troublesome time. Yep. Dude, I you know it's like gotta carry my dog to another building. Yep, you know? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And then you know, and right now the fire is still like ninety eight percent contained. So scary, I still get emails and texts telling me that two percent as that I still need to be on standby. So yep. that's scary, yep. man. So I'm. I'm yep. Uh, it's it's just the most obscene, crazy, 
unexplainable nightmare of a year, but at least I got to look forward to these podcasts every week. So, yep. Well, know. look, we get to look forward to another one because today we got a great show. Best one ever. Just like I say, best one ever. I like to think that we, that we, you know, we have our ups and downs. Best I think this one's one be ever. An up one. Who we got? Who we got? Who we got? Who well, we got? Who we got? Show today, mm-hmm. we have a luchador. <gasps> he has been ripping, around, ripping and running around. I would say the globe, man. He's done a lot of things. Um, I'm talking about the base god, Gringo Loco. What's going on, brother? Man, did you call no. him the base god? Oh yeah, he calls himself the base no god. Manches, we're the gonna get base? into that, <laughs> we're, and we're gonna get we're gonna get into that. <laughs> So I want to get. <laughs> I will. Yep. Let's do it, man. It's good stuff. I see we got a Spanish speaker. So I want to get right into it, man. I, I want to know, you know, you 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 are a luchador. This isn't this isn't pro wrestling, American style pro wrestling. You you got into lucha right away, man. Was was lucha a love of yours before you even started? And and how did you get started in lucha libre? Actually, man, it was everyone, the yeah. opposite. I was watching uh, WWF superstars on Saturday morning and. Uh, Watching, watching the squash matches with the red, white, and blue ropes, and just stunners and pedigrees and tombstones and choke slams. I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. And uh, I was like, one day I'm gonna be able to get into a ring somehow, some way. I'm not sure how it's gonna happen, but it's gonna happen. And it just so happens that uh, the first gym that I set foot in was a Lucha Libre Mexicana gym in Chicago. So that's the story on that. Uh, and from there on, Uh-oh. I was like, yo, I'm gonna be like the most authentic white luchador that there's ever been and uh, I think it's been he said the most pretty, authentic uh, white luchador so that's far. like saying Taco Bell is authentic bro come on now <laughs> so when when you started who was your trainer and 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 what was the training like to begin with I, I mean I know for us how how strenuous it could be you know we, we definitely want to make sure that we produce the the top of the top yeah. as far as lucha talent when it comes to Pro Wrestling Revolution Training Academy. And I would imagine that other, you know, companies strive to do the same. So t- talk to me about your training in the beginning. Who trained you and, and what was it like? You know, how strenuous was it for you? Yeah, I mean, walking into the gym the first time, I couldn't believe how much stuff oh, they yeah. were doing. Uh, it was a group called the Escobedo Brothers, Martin and Rudy. And there were some of the there were some of the toughest dudes I've ever met. Like until now, um, I walked in and like before we even get into the ring to train anything, it was an hour of craziness outside, like squatting and carrying people like fireman style, uh, you know, a mile around the block and uh, just a million things. And then we were allowed to get in the ring, and then that's when the real craziness started. I remember seeing my first uh, real Lucha Libre spot and how fluid and how smooth it was. I was like, man, right on. one day I have to make it look like that. That was the coolest thing I'd ever seen up until that point in my life. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty much I got you. I got you. Now, you also live Sky there as a trainer, right? Possible, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, uh, he came in late in my yeah. career. But, uh, I mean, he taught us so many new and innovative things like... There were so many people in the line uh, training that had so much experience, and he would pop all of us. He would do something in the ring, and we would all be like, yo, what the hell was that? Like, you know he has something special when he can bring that out of somebody uh, who has so much talent as myself or other people that were there. I mean, uh, Mustafa Ali was there that day when we popped. Shima Zion was there. When we popped. It was just like... It was stuff now, how long did you train with him for? Because I know, and, uh, I know, Luch- he was one of my Mexican trainers. luchadores. They if they have a seminar for ten minutes, they'll uh, say, "Oh, I, tra- I trained yeah. that guy." So, like that list can be like an immense amount of people that they say they trained. But how right. long did you train under the Skyder tree? So yeah, he was actually in Chicago. He had a long run here. I would say about seven to eight months straight, and then a couple months here and there when he would come back. But there was a a long stretch where he was here two times a week. You know, I didn't miss any classes. I wouldn't dare to miss any Skydeck classes. But uh, we, I mean, it was just unbelievable being yeah, it, it, uh, in the same training session as him because he's always coming up with something new, you know. You don't really find that often in wrestling. Yeah, we had Skydeck um, for so our, many other things uh, our academy. People haven't even dreamed years. of seeing yet. And it's funny because, uh, I don't know about you guys, but this, the, we felt the same way. We were like, what the hell did he just do? Can you do that again? Yeah. You know what I mean? And he'd do it, and, you know, he's much older, and he would still do these things. And we're like, what? Like, slow down. Like, how did you flip, catch a leg, and the wrist, and the head, wrap it around, roll him through, stand up? You know, like, what the? And but the thing is that he never named yeah. his moves. 
They were they were all they were <laughs> they were all Sky the Specials. Were like, no, dude, what what do you call that? No, oh no, no, Rio la Bajata Butter. I'm like, oh, dude. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, we got to help us out here. So we actually ended up naming our moves <laughs> on our own because there was no name for them. There was nothing, and it's insane the the amount of stuff that man can teach. So now, when you t- when you were uh, learning under his tree, did you have any other trainers in between that, uh, lucha wise, or how did that work for you? Well, I mean, uh, the luchador that recently uh, discussed in class, um, uh Discovery, he was there all the time as well. He's an extra right. play guy. He had a little run in. WWF as well. Uh, Discovery was there, and then uh, from from then on, like I, I mean, everybody pretty much went on their own separate ways, and I had to take over the class. And I actually kind of enjoyed being a trainer. Honestly, I didn't think I was going to, but um, I, I actually took over the class when there was nobody else left, and uh, that kind of, that group kind of grew to what it grew into now. Which and is, how uh, a pretty so good group of guys. One of the things I couldn't I so. couldn't see was your your debut. What what was when was your debut? Was it somewhere like in 04 or something like that? What yeah, I mean, yeah, that was definitely in Chicago, and it was in like this really rinky-dink gymnasium. Uh, and there was a lot of there was a lot of names on the show actually, like CM Punk and uh, yeah, oh wow, just so like, like Steel and, and, and well, now did you happen Dominion. to run into I don't know if you know those guys Pierce? from the Midwest? Did Adam Pierce already uh, move out here? Yeah, oh, those I think guys, he was already out there. Those, those guys were. Uh, it doesn't ring a bell. I don't. Those think guys so, definitely but, um, had a huge impact some, in that in that yeah. area. Huge, huge. You know, Dan Dominion and A Steel and obviously CM Punk and those guys. But if if you were Lucha trained, how did you end up on this Americanized stud of a card? How did Lucha fall into that? Well, when you have um, like you know CM yeah, Punk, so the, uh, Dan Dominion, A Steel, and all that question? stuff, how did you end up as a luchador? On uh, an American card. Oh yeah. Oh, so um, the guy, that's funny story. Uh, the guy that rented the ring uh, to that show was the Lucha like connection to all the rings in Chicago at that time. So I actually just went to see what a, an American show was going to be like, and I was on the the opening uh, match of the card. <laughs> so that's how that worked. It's, I just knew, like, it's the same everywhere, you know. Everybody rents I mean, one ring, and everybody. <laughs> rents the talent and the ring crew and stuff and that's totally cool i guess it's a big part of how we do business i guess you know what i mean but uh how did how did you fit into the americanized crowd because i mean obviously american fans they see lucha um unless you're doing stuff like caristico and stuff they're not going to really pop they're not going to really understand and and love the spots of the sky they would teach did you have it you know a, a a lucha lucha match or did you have an american guy who was 16 years old with a sock over his head. Yeah, no, I definitely had to figure out what American wrestling was, like, by the seat of my pants. I had to figure out, like... <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is the wrong way. It is. <laughs> I thought it was, like, the wrong way to do things. So I was, like, out of my, out of my element, for sure. <laughs> and I just had to, you know, I just had to figure it out, man. It was very nerve-wracking, for sure. I didn't know what the hell was going on. That is awesome, dude, because, like, you know, you learn the American style, and you learn it from the... I guess the opposite way of lucha. So for you, being an American guy, learning lucha and just getting so in depth in lucha, having to go wrestle an American style and not knowing what the fuck an American style is—that's American. That's kind of that's that's ironic. That's crazy, man. Hey, so talk to me about so so you did do some time in in Mexico, right? You found your way towards Mexico. What was that like for an American guy and a white guy at that coming into these locker rooms? Because I know for me, dude, I know. What I see, you know, if you don't speak Spanish that well, they're gonna they're gonna kind of fave you a little bit by 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 you know faking like they don't speak English or you know they might not receive you well at first. It's kind of like a standoffish kind of thing. How how did you deal with that when you first got into actual working lucha promotion? Oh my God! Especially going down to Mexico City, man, it was one of the toughest things I've ever had to go through. Um, you know, you don't know what's going on, but you know that you love the sport. So you're trying to figure out everything very quickly. You're trying to learn the language. You're trying to learn, you know, etiquette. You're trying to figure out what the right thing and the wrong thing to do is and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, and then like you'll hear everybody laughing and you hope it's not at you. So you like, you really try to force yourself to learn the, the, the language and just the way of the land and everything. It was really, uh, it, was a, it was like four and a half years of just stressful learning. And I just learned somehow by being around it every day in Mexico City. You know what I mean? But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of egos going on in Mexico. You just have to No, no, no. There's it, you know? <laughs> there's no egos in Lucha or wrestling. <laughs> now you, yeah. you say Mexico City. 
So, um, can are you able to describe, you know, uh, uh, where, you know, were you under, you know, the, the learning tree of Colombo or Ultimo Guerrero or where exactly did you train in Mexico? Yeah, so my very, very first time, had I realized, like, what type of class I would I was in, I would have stayed there forever. I was in the Guerrero class of oh. CMLO. Yeah, wow. dude, but I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I was just like, okay, I'm in this class. This is cool. Those guys look, you know, <laughs> those guys look awesome. Nice mask. Dude, like, I Eddie, like that guy's mask. Great. Yeah, I mean, no, that's the thing. They were all unmasked. I was like, oh, these guys are cool. They're pretty damn good, you know? It's right. freaking... It's Virus, Guerrero, you know, Mystico back then. It's just like yeah. all these dudes, yeah. Volador. And I'm just there, like this 16-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid, like, uh, okay, I could probably do this, like with the best of Lucha Libre yeah. that's ever created, you know? Now, it's uh, it's hard to get in there, man. They don't respect anyone just walking in. How would you open that yeah. door for yourself? So I was working these big Lucha uh, shows in Chicago at Congress Theater, and uh, a guy by the name of Tarzan Boy, I'm sure you guys are familiar yeah. with, who became Toscano later on, took a liking to the show that I was bringing because uh, I would throw tortillas to the crowd and just create, like, this major heat. Oh, okay, hold and, on, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. Now, I did that one time as a promoter. I booked, I booked the Border Patrol in Stockton yeah. years ago, and they came out with Oliver John, Derek Sanders, and... Uh, Zach Reeb, and they threw out tortillas. And at first, I thought it was, oh, man, what a heat machine. But I ended up having almost a shut down the show because the fans yeah. were so irate. And there was Hell's Angels there, and they were going to shut the show oh, down God. and stuff. Oh, and I was my like, God. And at first, I was like, yeah, I finally did it. I, you know, I, I finally pulled the trigger on this thing I've always talked about. And, but then I see other people do it, and, like, I guess I just had a, a, a rough crowd to do it with. Is that something you did on a regular basis that you got received with, like, ha-ha-ha over the top? Because out here, man, we got received with, like, death death threats. So how'd that work out for you guys? Yeah, I mean, it would get pretty intense for sure. A couple of the shows I had to leave out the back entrance, but, like, shoot. Like, I had definitely <laughs> did not want to see the people that I had saw out there because it was right. kind of like a, a rougher-looking crowd. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say, hey, listen, like, you got to get me out the back way. Like, I'm not feeling too safe right now. But, yeah. um yeah, I mean, uh, back then, just being a young kid, I just wanted to create the most heat possible, and it, it got to uh, Tarzan Boy's attention, and he was like, oh, if you ever come to Mexico City, he wrote, like, all these numbers on a, on a piece of paper, you know, because Mexico <laughs> has, like, all these numbers. Right, right, And, like, right. I, kept, I kept the piece of paper, and then six months later, I graduated high school, and I was like, all right, I'm going to Mexico City, just, like, crazily. Right. And I had that piece of paper, and I dialed those numbers, and he answered the phone, man. And I, I was just in the Guerrero class, bro. I'm just like, all right, this is That's great. That's insane you know? because that, that class, man, they uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of levels to the CML learning tree. Oh, and, and Guerrero uh, unofficially is one of the, you know, by far uh, a very strict, hardcore, very, you know, very satisfying as far as the results that that school, you know, kicks out. Because, I mean, and, and you know, people talk about uh, – on the American side, you know, for those who don't follow Lucha on the independent scene, with it, with, if, if you don't follow on the independent scene, you can only imagine. But there's so many talented people in these schools in Mexico that that there's tons that never went out to even step into Arena Mexico or AAA or whatever because of, of I don't know, politics. I mean, we're, we can go into a different story. But uh, a perfect example of that is someone like Bandito. Bandito sat, oh, sat, sat on the underground forever, forever. Yeah. And there's so many guys that when you walk into these training schools in Mexico, there's some 19-year-old kids who are doing insane, insane <laughs> stuff. And they'll probably yeah. never get an opportunity to actually step into a, a major ring. But you're out there hoping just to learn lucha. Was your hope to stay in Mexico or is it just learn to sport and come back here? Originally, it was to stay in Mexico because uh, I liked the, the, you know, the, uh, the people, the culture, the, you know, obviously the weather. Cause I'm from Chicago, so it wasn't the greatest weather up here. But uh, I mean, I just always have loved the sport as a whole. You know, just as fluid as it looks, the acrobatics, the basing, everything. You know, the the costumes, everything about it, I've always loved. So yeah, it was mostly uh, probably just to learn and then eventually come back to the states like I did. Okay, okay. So when you were out there, is there any uh, any luchadors that, you know, took you under their wing, like saw you, saw your uh, 
you know, your, your potential and was like, you know, I'm going to take this kid under, under my wing and I'm going to bring him along and kind of show him the ropes. Because being out there just, you know, graduated from high school, you know, you're just like going in there feet first. Um, I'm not sure how much Spanish, if at all, you knew at that point in time. But, you know, just, just going out there, I know it had to be a culture shock. And I know it had to be something to where if you didn't have nobody to, to bring you along and say, come here, kid, I'm going to take care of you. It could be pretty dangerous, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I first got down there, uh, Tarzan Boy let me stay in his house for like four months. You know what I mean? Well, you lucked out right and, there. Uh, that right there was a blessing, bro, because if you had to stay on the road or or in these hotels and stuff, man, you would have actually had a different outlook of Lucha. So you were blessed to actually stay in someone's home and they protected you and stuff. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah, I agree. But it was down to the very last minute. I, I caught him backstage and I was like, you know, thank you for, you know, having me. And I went to the uh, my first show ever, if you guys can believe this, was uh, Warrior with the full house with the mask versus mask match. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So he took me to that. And then that like, was the end of Black after, Warrior's career. <laughs> I mean, no, he did nothing after that. Yeah. yeah the moment but, that uh, hood came off, that was it. His career was over. Yeah, those, those weird hairstyles he was trying to pull off yeah, was not that did working. Not work, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> but I mean, it was like I'm in the arena. Like this is this is a shoot, man. Like I'm in the arena. I'm in a foreign country. I do not speak Spanish, and I just happen to see him uh, leaving like through the back, and I'm like, oh hey, man, uh, I I don't have anywhere to stay, and I legit <laughs> didn't. I didn't know like. And it and I remember it was dark and it was rainy and I remember those Mexico City streets for the first time. I'm like, dude, like this is this is bad. Yeah. How am I gonna pull this off? Like he has to let me stay with him, otherwise what am I gonna do, you know? Right. And he was like, Oh yeah, come with me and like I got into this tiny car that he had and it was super like smushed up, but then like we just went to his place and I stayed there for three months. That's it was uh, it was awesome. Like waking up and he would just always eat sushi and rice and all this healthy stuff, you know, because he was a bodybuilder. And, uh, wait a minute, wait, wait, it was, whoa, it was whoa, even... whoa, bro, you went all the way to freaking Mexico City, and you wake <laughs> up to eating sushi. <laughs> well, that's what he was eating. No manches, uh, bro, I like, oh, I used to wake up, and they would make huevos rancheros, enchiladas. <laughs> no, we would wake up uh, and eat sushi and sake. What the hell, man? What the... I got I got, a, I got a funny story, because so I told you about, like, I didn't speak Spanish at all, so he was trying to tell me, like, oh, you know, in Spanish, would you like to eat... Uh, sushi with crab and a cangrejo i'm like i don't know what the hell that is so he does with his hands and his legs bro he starts walking like a crab and doing the the, the fingers like a little crab so he starts, starts looking like walking he starts sideways. looking like grand naniwa right starts walking around <laughs> and i'm like oh you mean crab he's like oh yeah 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 crab i'm like oh yeah we can totally do that bro yeah no problem but, uh, yeah that was funny yeah just be careful yeah. with unique experience signals. for sure man yeah, no, yeah that's, that's insane yeah, absolutely. Hey, so, you know, talk to me about the, the, the matches out there, man. You know, I mean, you, you did the Lucha training, you know, you, you were out in Mexico City. You know, how, how long before, you know, after the training, they started booking you on these shows and what kind of shows were you going through? Was it all the independent shows on the outskirts of Mexico City? You know, talk to me about, you know, uh, some some of the some of the humble beginnings of your Lucha career in terms of matches. Yeah, so it wasn't the easiest road, man. So I did the CMLO training. Obviously, you, you guys talked about the politics already, so it was, like, impossible to get booked. But um, I started, like, knocking on AAA's door, and nobody was answering, and then I would go back to CMLL. So then I went to this little arena called Arena del Calpan, oh. and it had, like, a it had like a little theater feel. I walked in. It's got, like, carpeted, like, little entryway. Like, you, it's kind of dingy, but I like it. No, no, don't lie. Be, be real. Uh, Papa, I've been there, bro. It ain't no theater feel. That shit feels like a damn dump, man. <laughs> I don't care. Don't 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 let them paint this picture. That shit looks like an abandoned theater, right? And you're walking in, yeah. and you're like, "What the hell?" And then you walk yeah. in, and then inside you you hear all this like commotion and stuff. That thing, yep. that thing is still a broken down, you know, arena and stuff to this day. Yeah. Nothing's really changed. But unfortunately, even though it's it's located in that tough area. Um, and it has a bad rap for a lot of things. It is a very famous arena in comparison. Obviously, it doesn't compare to Arena Mexico, the cathedral, but it's a very uh, uh, a secondary, you know, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but it is a, a popular arena. But if you go there, you better be prepared to be uh, – <laughs> the roads are rough. If, if you leave after dark and you don't have a ride, you better, you know, have someone with you. You better have someone that you can trust because that area – it is an absolute 
nightmare if you're not a part <laughs> part of that regular scene. Am I off? No, you're not yeah. off. It is. It's rough, man. And I've had to take combis from there, and for like seven pesos trying oh, to get to my hell's no. Trying to get to my apartment in yeah. Foreverland. Yeah, like it would be, yeah. It would be so far away. Yeah, and it's funny yeah, though. It was, you, uh, you, you go Mexico City to Nocalpan, It's about a half hour drive, roughly, right? And yeah. That half hour drive, Papa, I'm telling you, bro, it's like you're going into like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> it's day and night. It's almost like a cartoon. Like they just pulled a, a curtain and go, and you go, what the hell? <laughs> the streets change. The the buildings change. The way the culture looks change. It, it, it's, it's almost a stereotype of, of what you would pe of what people assume that Mexico is. It's rough out there, bro. And I, when we did a show out there, uh, uh, when we were out there with uh, Jungle Boy and Panda and, and all that, man, I tell you what. At first, we're like, oh, this is great. They shot Nacho Libre here, all that stuff. Right. Exactly. Once it turned nighttime, bro, we're like, holy shit, how do we get out of here? I was like, you know what I mean? It's and you like, know what? After scary. a certain time, man, the, uh, the taxi stopped running. Yeah, through, and, so it, and when we got yeah. dropped off, the Uber driver told us, all right, guys, um, it was fun talking with you guys. You guys were fun. Um, Uber does not um, work in this area after a certain time, so I would recommend you guys uh, get a, a, a rent a car. I'm like, rent a car? He goes, yeah, we don't come over here at all. Like, we won't do it. So we actually had to pay the Uber driver a retainer to actually come back and pick us up that night because otherwise we'd have no way home. You know, and oh, wow. my brother, rest in peace, Silver King, I love him to death and, and stuff, but he was like, brother, he's like, um, you know, uh, stay in the arena, and um, I'll uh, I'll I'll come back and pick you up. I was like, oh hell's no! I'm I'm probably more afraid to stay in the arena than outside. So <laughs> I'll go ahead and uh, just take this Uber and call it a day. Well, yeah, that's you the, know your that's, stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. He's right. He's right about everything he says. Yeah. So so you know I, I you know I'll speak for Gabe on this one because I've heard this story several times. He he did do a show out there, and and we took guys like Jungle Boy, um, Royce Isaacs, um, and, and a couple other guys. And um, man, it, it was it was rough for them because just you know that the luchadors out there ended up taking liberties oh, on yeah. some of our guys because I I believe just from the stories I hear, and, and again, Gabe, go ahead and interject if I'm wrong, but I believe that they were you know. They were threatened, and they were they were pissed off that these guys were even coming in there and taking spots of the other guys, and for that um, we were going to pay. Yeah, and you know, and and the thing is that I, I, you know, if you guys really want to know, you know, who was involved, you guys can go look up the match. But when we got there, you know, <clears throat> you could already feel the negativity. So, you know, myself being, you know, uh, I'm uh, my parents were born in Jalisco. I'm born in California. Um, some people say I don't look Spanish or don't look whatever the stereotype of what Mexican stands for. I guess I don't look like it. So we had a little bit heat going on because they had taken off some of the talent off the show to put us on, and and Silver King had you know uh, had worked a program out that we're going to be going back and forth during the program. And once we got in that locker room. They, I, the moment I walked in, I could feel the heat from the little, you know, when you first walk in the left-hand side of the little bathroom, you could see eyes from the creases, from the doors, from, you know, everything, man. And I, I, it, the moment I walked in, I was like, man, I can't wait for this to be over. You know what I mean? Because we talked about the hype of how great it was going to be doing Ocalpa. And last night we did Arena Mexico. We did Dragon Mania. We did this. We did that. What a weekend. Da, da, da. And the moment we walked in is the moment we went shit we should yeah. we shouldn't have done this and they took liberties with the talent i actually was uh front row trying to because I, I did not want to stay in the locker room and they uh they stole our belt they tried to put they took our belt from ringside and ran off with it um we eventually found it they had hidden it in the popcorn uh in front of the building where you walk into theater there's a snack shack right there they had put it underneath the merchandise there um, they changed the booking on us. They threw a VCR at a uh, Jungle Boy. They threw a chair at Border Patrol's face, um, and they actually burnt the American flag on us, thinking it was all in good heat. And it was m one of the most ridiculous, disgusting experiences I've, I think I've ever been a part of. And I was saddened because the mere fact that you know that we had brought in American talent um, through the right channels. We got treated like absolute garbage, but yet when we bring talent here on Luchador-wise, 
um, at least speaking for me, we open the red carpet and treat them right. out, out of respect. So it was something I'll never forget, man. And I remember making that trip upstairs to the boss's office and having that conversation where maybe I shouldn't have said what I said. But as I walked back down those stairs, I was <laughs> I was looking over my shoulder. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, my, my question to you, Charles, is is were, were you experiencing some of those uh, types of scenarios when you were out there at the uh, IWRG? And, and if so, give, give us some stories, man. Give us some insight on, on what you went through just trying to cut your teeth in that particular area. Are you there? Yeah, I think we, we, we might have lost him for, for a bit. Well, while, But while he does uh, return... You know that's that's something you know that uh, it's 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 a very it's a very weird world, Papa. Like you know um, when we go out there, and I say we as a, a talent from the United States, and we go to to Mexico or anywhere. I can't speak for Japan, but at least when we go to Mexico, there, there's always that 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 feeling that you know, like oh man, you guys are taking a spot from my friend. And the thing is that what we're not used to on our end here is at least speaking on the independent level because you know what people have to understand is when we go out there and or talent goes out there and you get to work a a you know a, a major show whether it be triple a cml crash whatever is the way they look at it it's like us it's like you know an nxt or aw or whatever wwe they bring in outside talent and when you bring somebody in that means right. someone on the roster is not going to work that night, right? But they're not under contracts like you would say, hey, well, you know what? I got a two-year contract. Whether you use me or not, I'm getting paid, right? Well, out there, it's it's a bit different. So the, the, the mere fact that we were out there, right away, you know, it's like their friends or brothers or whatever it is, they're they're out there to make sure that you're not going to stay there and take their take their spots. Yeah, that's crazy, though, because, like, for me, I, see, I, I've never had the honor of working in Mexico, and I hope to do so before I'm, I'm all said and Don't done. Don't worry, bro. It's 20, like, 2027 is the return year to each other. Right, right. <laughs> 2027. Hell, yeah. We're, I'm, I'm on the way. I, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in a position to do so by right. then. But um, what I was going to say was, is, um, and this was directed towards Charles. What's up, man? You're back. Yeah, I'm so, um, man. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, so... Um, we were talking about, you know, just the liberties and, 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 you know, the, I don't know, I want to say favoritism because honestly, man, for me, it's like in our area, I don't think Gabe or any other promoter or any other worker for that matter would be super pissed off if we brought people in from the outside because it happens all the time. You know, we'd, we'd like to welcome people in with open arms, but over there, it's a super different like scenario. So I wanted you to talk to us about your experience, like, like, you know, the one that, that Gabe just uh, explained of IWRG and how, you know, just the liberties that they would take on, on you know, on the on the talent. And I don't want to say the. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys, man, you know, when you're uh, when you're when you're the new guy coming in, you're definitely getting a lot of looks and then you're getting uh, better positions, better matches than they are, than they've been working like years to get that. Yeah, that position, you know, yep. so it's like they think that, you know, you're obviously getting tested all the time. So yes. they're trying to hit you a little harder and trying to kick you in the face when they shouldn't be. So, like, I didn't take any of that. Like, I knew that I, w I wasn't doing anything wrong. I'm doing what the promoter's saying. So I would just, like, hit them harder if they were to hit me hard in the first place. So you got to you gotta be careful with that because people are just trying to look out for their own spots and their own livelihood, you know what I mean? Some of those guys just wrestle for a living, and no golf on, you cannot sur support a family on that salary, no, you know? No, no, <laughs> no. And But one thing, though, um, before you go into your, deeper into your story, but when we were being trained with Sky, that I'm sure the same thing happened with you, he would, he would like, because uh, we've, you know, under our learning tree at Revolution, I've had trainers... Um, um, from like Super Crazy, uh, Juventud Guerrera, um, uh, obviously Skyde, and also Lady Apache, who was out here up until COVID, you know, stopped all of this, and the lady was with us for almost a year. But here's a, this is a scenario that when we're doing Lucha, is that they would stop and explain, because I'd ask them, why are you changing it to this? Like, we've always learned it this way. Why Why is it this way? And Skyde and Lady and, and Juvi, and they all would have the same answer. Is you have to do that this way in case the guy you're working with tries to take your knee out or tries yeah. to take your ankle out 
or tries to uh, snap your neck. And we're like, what? Like, I thought we're working with each other. And they're like, well, yeah, but at the same time, you might be taking up uh, their friend, their brother, their sister, their whatever spot. And so you have to protect yourself. So that, that right there is insane. Like, that's absolutely insane. I also had something similar when uh, Gangrel used to use our, our ring many, 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 many years ago. And he was still living out here. And uh, he was showing uh, someone he was training on headlock takedown. And we were always taught to do a headlock takedown a certain way. You know, grab the head, curtsy, go over. But he didn't have a curtsy. He, he took the curtsy out and he was doing a straight shoot takeover like a judo takedown. And I asked him, I said, brother, why do, you, why do you do it that way? We were taught this way. Were we taught wrong? He goes, no, you weren't taught wrong. He said, but the way you were taught is, is you weren't taught for someone to take your knee out and end your career. And we're like, oh. Holy shit. So that's something that I didn't even stop to ever think of, you know what I mean? So for you, you're saying you're getting, you know, you're getting potato, you're getting, you know, cemento laid in and stuff. How did you handle because if you if you give that receipt, that could be your ass in the locker room because if they're beating each other up in their own locker rooms, there's nothing to say that they're not going to knock your ass out or whatever. How did you handle those stiff shots and those kicks in the face? Because trust me, I see it when I've been there in Mexico on multiple occasions. I've seen it from all angles. I've been to TJ. I've done TJ. I've done Mexico City. I've, and I've seen it. They, they do it to each other and they do it to us. But for them, it goes away. They fight each other and they, they call it a day. But for us, they take the liberty. We're like, well, when am I going to see them again? And they pop you in the face because they feel they have an entire locker room that has their back. How did you proceed? What goes through your head going, ah, shit. This guy just kicked me in the freaking tooth. I, I'm bleeding up a storm. What am I going to do? You know what I mean? But that's that's something, you know, Papa, that, you know, uh, that it's something I wish, you know, we could talk uh, to other people and something to keep in mind because, I mean, obviously he's he's gone out there. But it, it's something, you know, that happens a lot. And, and maybe, you know, it's something part of the culture that I'm not accustomed to. But I tell you what, brother, when we were out there, it was something that we were like, dude, I can't believe this just happened, you know. And, and we, it, we had the same experience, you know, in, in, in Mexico and in different arenas. And, and it happened and, and we didn't know what to do. And luckily I have, you know, because for me as a mentor, you always want to have a mentor that's going to take care of you and explain to you what happens. And for me, uh, luckily, Rey Bucanero, you know, is a, a guy that's very well respected in Mexico. At least in the wrestling scene, you know, speaking that of. And I said, brother, this happened. He goes, hold on, hold on, you know, relax, relax. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tell me what happened, so, you know. And it's something that we always got to prepare for. Yeah. On the indie scene, you know, I don't think we see that very much because, you know, we're not working for a living. You know, it's not a it's not a day-to-day -day job for us. For us, it's like, oh, you know, I got booked on a show and I'll work a Thursday or I'll work yeah. a Saturday. But in Mexico, they're working, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, twice on Sunday. So it's something that we have to prepare for. But how do you prepare for that, Papo? How do you prepare for going to a show as opposed to going, oh, dude, I'm stoked, I'm pumped, I can't wait to work so-and-so? <laughs> that, that's a great question. We'll, we'll direct that towards, you know? towards Charles, man. Gringo Loco, hey, man. How do you how do you prepare for that? You know, you're in Mexico City. You're 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 living it. You know, you're going out there and you're working this talent. How do you prepare for the potential for somebody to, you know, take liberties on you or try to take you out so that they can open up a spot for 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 somebody else? I mean, was that something that you had to deal with, you know, in the early parts and even now in your career? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely before. Not so much now. It's a lot nicer world. Uh, everybody's trying to be correct and do the right thing and say nice things. It's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a very nicer world. I think you guys can agree with that. I mean, come on, bro. You can't really say anything or you do anything. You can't fart no more, off. man. You think and then you're gonna. No one knows if you said excuse no, me. Yeah. You believe that guy's gonna yeah. say excuse me? He has no manners. And next thing you know, it's hashtag no manners, and your world's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and, and you lose all your bookings because right, you right. farted, bro. Like, you're really trying to lose money yeah, over exactly. bro, because I'm not, dude. But, um, you know, I mean, back then, I, you know, I was talking oh, to yeah, Kendo. Oh, yeah, You guys know who Kendo is? Yeah, so we were in his studio where he makes all his gear and stuff, and he was telling us all these crazy-ass stories. There's a reason why they train like that and why they have all those shoot maneuvers, like, in the back of their pocket whenever they need, because he would go out... And the guy would, like, try to fuck with him. And then in the back, he would uh -huh. get knives and guns yep. pulled on him, bro. 
and he would have to know how to get out of that. Yeah. Otherwise, he was going <laughs> to die, dude. Like, there's a reason why those guys have those, and, and there's a reason why we don't necessarily have them in this generation because we're just out there foo-fooing right. around half the time anyway and, not, and just trying to be nice and not hit too hard. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of that fire that's missing in today's wrestling, I think, because uh, people are just trying to be too nice. But back then, people were fighting yeah. for their lives. Like, if Kendall was, like, the most over dude in Japan, yes. people wanted to kill him, bro. Like, le legit in the ring, they were trying to, like, strangle him out so he wouldn't be able to yeah. do the cool spots. It, it was yeah. the, the stories were unbelievable. Well, hash, like, hashtag Kendo yeah. for stiffing me on all the gear from my boys and uh, stealing their money. Oh, oh my God! Oh, sorry. I don't know. That's I mean, another story. Oh, uh, what? So, so we we know what happens. We, 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 got, we, gotta, we gotta say the truth, right? I mean, the fact that he took all the guy's money, made the gear, never sent it out, and then all of a sudden he forgot how to use a cell phone, forgot how to use Facebook. And, you know, I mean, so yeah, these guys are hustlers, man. You know, they 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 they, they do steal yeah, and yeah. rob and cheat and shit. But yeah, hashtag Kendo. Gracias por no pagar los pinches equipo y nos robó todo. Gracias. Thank you. <laughs> so yo, hey man, at, at that point in time, were you Gringo Loco at that point in time, or you were under your your real name? Like what 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 led you to become known as the Bass God Gringo Loco? Oh, okay. So the Bass. Uh oh, just a couple years, but the Gringo Loco thing happened because yeah, you're you're there. Can you hear me? You're there. Hello? Oh yeah, we hear you. Yeah. Hello. Okay, God, I'm like not again. <laughs> Um, the gringo, uh, the base guy thing is fairly new, but the gringo loco thing happened because the Esco. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Your phone's cutting in and out, brother. Oh man, this phone thing is the worst thing ever, bro. So, your trainers in your trainers in Chicago were the ones that would gave you that name. Yeah, because they thought that I had a similarity of work and look to Art Bar, but I didn't know who Art Bar was at the time, so I just kind of ran with the name Gringo Loco. And the bass guy thing is fairly new. It just came around a couple years ago. Uh, just going for a different direction, you know, trying to figure out the, the new wrestling world that we're in today. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna ask you about that because the original Gringo Loco was was Art Bar, and I was, I was trying to, you know, see if maybe that was an inspiration from for you growing up, but. Um, you know, I like to ask the, the luchadors and the wrestlers that come on this show, you know, the matches that they had that where the fireworks started going off, you know. I want I want you to talk about the matches that really set the tone for you to be who you are today. Like, um, for me, I always like to say that, uh, you know, in order for us to get better, you've got to have someone in the ring that's better than you working with. So, uh, can, do, you, do you have any matches that you... Um, would list as the matches that where the fireworks would start going off and you kind of understood, you know, the inner workings of the ring and matches and how to, how to call it and, and all that? Yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a lot of wars with uh, the Cerebros, you know, Dr. Cerebro, yeah. uh, Black Terry, Cerebro Negro, man. Those guys, bro, we've had some bloody-ass matches. So, I mean, in terms of, like, learning how to be, like, a rabid dog and not really care about how hard you're getting hit, Black Terry definitely showed that <laughs> to me. Uh, in, in Ocala, like, he, I remember, I'll never forget, we got a packed house in Ocalpan. We're, like, semi-main, and he looks at me and was like, Gringo, I want you to hit me as hard as you can when we're out there. I was like, man, all right. Like, I was scared. He's like, because if you don't, I'm going to hit you ten times harder. Yep. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit, oh, yeah. this is for real, yeah. bro. Like, I have to I have to hit this leathery chest of this man that I'm scared of. But he really, like, brought that out of me. Like, he, I realized how much rage I actually had inside when I was hitting that guy in the chest, you know. Um, and then in terms of, like, working, you know, the working the cool spots in the matches where they should go, that was definitely all DJZ later on in my career when uh, – when I met him, like, he was able to, like, take my crazy ideas and have them make sense um, more so than if I would have just thrown them in together with no logic or anything. Uh, a lot of the AIW uh, Mayhem tag matches that we had in Cleveland, they were fantastic. Uh, I mean, so many, like, the, the recent GCW one we just had uh, at the All Out uh, after show or whatever it was that weekend, that was a really good one. I mean, there's some magical stuff that keeps me in the business, you know what I mean? I definitely uh, got to get my hats off to some of the guys. But you've been in the ring with? No Kid and KTV and No Fidian. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're only as good as your opponent, you know what I mean? Because I can make you look like a million bucks, but if you can't do it, then what, am I, what are we going to do? Oh, you know? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
So in your time in Absolute Intense Wrestling, yeah. you know, you, you mentioned DJZ. You were you were working and tag teaming with Skydy Jr. Right? You, you were working with Bondolero. I mean, you got any good, um, you know, moments and stories working with a lot of the different dudes that are in Lucha as well? You know, that would help you. You know, that would have helped you get better and actually, um, you know, further your career. Because like when I met you, what well, not met you, but when I when I discovered you. I mean, I think you were just really hitting your stride as Gringo Loco, right? Yeah. I mean, you were probably like a year away from MLW, and, and you know, you were calling yourself right. a face guy, and I would watch, you know, uh, things on YouTube about training, about, you know, you training guys and, and going through spots and stuff. I mean, it looked like you were, like, solid. I, I want to know, you know, what, what helped you get there? I know you just kind of listed off a whole... You know laundry list of names but i want to i want to know exactly what you know types of matches and what types of additional training that got you to that part where you were like pretty hit oh it was absolutely those training videos that was like the launching pad for everything that happened afterwards it's all djz man all of it was uh his motivation you know i would be down on myself and uh want wanting to quit the wrestling business or whatever and he would just talk me out of it like dude you can you can do this you just have to be patient you know and uh it just takes a little bit of uh, a kick in the ass would be usually with with things and in, in anything and uh he was he was the key to all of it you know the training videos definitely put me on the map because we were doing these crazy things that nobody had ever seen before and uh you know i mean that gets people's attention you know what i mean like if it's new and innovative people are going to want to know about it okay. so you know and then that led me down the pasture of uh of just so many different opportunities. I mean, really, that's where MLW came from because of those videos and just getting getting the opportunities and being ready for them. You know, I got you, man. So the the name, the base guy. You know, was was that something that was dubbed on you, yeah. or was that something that you came up with yourself? Because I got to say, man, just watching these videos, running through spots with people inside the ring in a in a training scenario and setting, even in the ring, you know, your base is solid, man. I mean. Um, you're also very agile, so I mean you're running both sides of the gamut. Um, would you say that you know learning how to base really helped you get the trust and and the attention of a lot of people, um, and that's why you got called the base god? Or yeah, I, so I, the the term base god actually happened with a conversation me and DJZ were having. Like we were watching uh, the monsters of CMLL, like. Just these big dudes, Guerrero, Euphoria, you know, guys like that, and like they no, never no, dropped that's, anybody. That's a cardinal so rule, bro. Like, you cannot so, drop that fly, bro. That's the money maker. You know, I mean, you can't drop those guys. I mean, that that that's your ass. You have one job. Don't drop the fly. Yeah, but like in any scenario, and it was fascinating. I was like, you know what, man? These guys. And then he turns to me. He's like, you ever dropped anybody? And I was like, nah, bro. He's like, I think you're a base guy, too. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I just kind of ran with it, you know? See, just imagine if you would have said yes, you would never have that gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. That's yeah, I crazy. I have dropped somebody, and then, and then it would just be like this gringo. Right? right? You know what I mean? It's yeah. a base guy with a little hashtag, a little asterisk going, yeah, but he <laughs> dropped that one guy a long time ago. Well, let's talk about MLW real quick. I mean, um, so how, how did MLW come about, man? I know that's TV tapings, and I know, you know, uh, that that's a, I mean, yeah, to me, it's a big thing with all that's going on right now with the NWA resurgence, with Ring of Honor starting to gain ground again, Impact starting to gain ground again, you know, AEW, now MLW. You know, talk to me about how that came about and, and what that means to you. You know what I mean? Are you still signed? Are you still work? Are you still working for them? I know they have the rebirth coming, so... Yeah, the restart is coming. Yeah, I'm yeah. still under contract for another year and a half. Uh, MLW, the whole thing was crazy because uh, I knew I was making some kind of noise because um, Alex Shelley, before he came back, like until you know he was he was gone for a long time. Uh, he hit me he hit, hit me up on the DM and he was like, "Hey man, if you're ever interested in like Ring of Honor, like I could definitely put in the word." And I was like, "Whoa, dude, like that's insane! Like Ring of Honor could be in my future." Literally the next week. Um, I was in Vegas just kind of messing around for a birthday or whatever. And I get a phone call saying, hey, MLW wants you for this Thursday. Like it was Wednesday, bro. They wanted me for the next day. 
And I'm like, like okay. It was like, yo, I need you to come tomorrow, right? Is that, I mean, that's how it went? They were like, yeah, we have an opportunity. I was like, oh, man. Like, I was supposed to be in Vegas till Friday. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess we're changing flights, and we are getting on a plane and hopefully landing on time tomorrow for the show. So I somehow made that show and uh, had a really good showing with uh, Marco Stunt, actually, who's phenomenal. I love that guy. Yeah, shout out to Marco Stunt. Yeah, he's fantastic. And I, I like from that day, uh, I they I got asked to to sign the contract, and then when they had their Miami dates, uh, they were like, "Yeah, come on to come on down to Miami for the two dates if you're interesting with interested in signing with us." And I said, "Oh shit, okay, well, I'm definitely going to Miami. Let me let me see what they have to offer, you know." And that's uh, that's how it happened. It was pretty. It was like it's a whirlwind. It was it was crazy. It was just like wow, this is all happening. And actually, the first uh the first tapings i didn't have a uh an entrance so my entrance was dark so i was in the ring before they went live uh, it was like yeah. the best three and a half minutes of my entire career like i don't even know i've never been to miami for wrestling or anything like that these people somehow knew me knew of me and they were the wildest three and a half minutes of my career bro i'll never forget it yeah absolutely man let's talk yeah. about the the, the base guide for a second. I know, I know we, we touched on it before, but I wanted to talk to you uh, from a, from a training aspect. You know, I saw a lot of the training videos online. Um, you said that you were a trainer and, uh, or you trained people before and that we kind of overstepped that. Let, let's talk about the training aspect, man. I mean, um, I know we're shut down now. So a lot of the training and, and, and working out is kind of, He's scarce, you know, it's here and there. But before the pandemic happened, man, was you on a was you on a training grind, man? Was you just getting in there and trying to help people get better and, and you know, I mean, show people how to base and, you know, just just uh, help the flies get better with their aerial maneuvers and such? So, yeah, you know, it's funny, man. Um, going back to the, the Escobedo brothers, like I saw how important training was. I mean, my entire career, I, I felt like. I've never had a real stint where I've stopped training for any reason. Like I've always been consistent, but then when I had to step into the head trainer role, it was different for me because now I'm actually helping people as opposed to people showing me stuff. So I actually got a pretty big joy out of it, uh, teaching people how to base and then, and instilling that how important, uh, you know, how important it is to take care of the guy that you're working with, especially if he's going to dive over the top rope and like hope that you catch him. Like it's all on you, you know? And I got a, a really good student now who's really coming into his own. It's called Golden Dragon. He's been wrestling since he's been like 13 years old. And now he's a little older. And you can see like his mannerisms and the way that he does things. He, he knows the importance of what he's doing. He's never dropped anybody in front of me. I always watch his matches if he's not uh, in the ring with me. And I mean, knowing how far he's come, I've taken him to a lot of the dates, a lot of the good dates that I've had. Like I took him up to Super Kicked. Uh, in Toronto, which is a really hot crowd with just an amazing atmosphere. And he killed it, you know, because he was in the ring with me. He was confident. He knew what he was doing. So it was a real satisfaction after that match because he had taken everything I had showed him till that, until that point, utilized it, and, and it pulled it off brilliantly. And I was like, wow, man, that, that was because of me. That's pretty damn awesome. And you came to Toronto with me, and this we're on, like, our, you know, wrestling road trip. So hell yeah. You it's gonna be I mean? it's it's gonna be satisfying when you see him start to gain ground and start to make yeah. his own name without you know you having to bring him places and whatnot. Absolutely, who knows, oh, I can't wait. Who knows where he's gonna go? I'll check him out, man. What's his name again? Golden Dragon. Golden Dragon. Yeah. yeah. Is he out, uh, is he out of Chicago too? Out of Chicago. Yeah. So mm -hmm. let me ask you this, man. Do you do you see the Chicago scene as lineage in terms of something that you have to uphold? I mean, you got a lot of guys coming out of Chicago. I mean, to name two notable ones, you know, you got Cole Cabana, you got CM Punk, you know, and then even going back, you know, in the day, you know, you got so many other people that came out of Chicago, man. Do you see that as, as uh lineage as like, man, you know, not only am I trying to pave my own way as gringo loco, but you know, I also want to, represent chicago to the fullest and oh. and and make sure that you know I, I i can fall in line and be held in the same conversation with these cats man someday oh absolutely man i love this city i'm born and raised from here i don't think that i'll ever like reside anywhere else i mean uh this is the city man i'll, I'll go to visit any place in the world but i always got to come back home i gotta hold it uh 
in high regard, man. Especially if if I'm if I have the Chicago title on the name of Gringo Loco, I got to make sure that it looks good. You know, absolutely. Okay. What What are your goals and aspirations coming back from the pandemic? I know we've been down for a very, very long time. I would say, I don't know, probably closer to eight months now. And, you know, like you said, MLW is going to have the restart. And if you're still under contract, obviously we're going to be able to have the honor of seeing you work again. What are your mm -hmm. aspirations in MLW and beyond, man? I mean, do you have any common goals that you want to achieve, you know, uh, as soon as, soon as we get back to it and and we're able to get some you know make up some ground yeah i mean i just want people to be like wow he's better than ever look at this guy he was good before but now he's great you know i don't really have any aspirations i never really had any aspirations in wrestling i just kind of gone with the flow for 16 17 years it's just like you know mlw called so i gotta go there uh, you know uh, this certain lucha company in new york called so i gotta go there which is and they're all really cool shots but um now that you mention it, I should probably make a goal for when yeah, everything comes back to normal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. Hey, I oh, barely... Japan, Japan would be one goal. Oh yeah, Japan would be yeah I've good. been to Japan just for leisure, but and I saw a New Japan show over there. It was pretty cool. But uh, to be called over to new to to anything in Japan, I mean, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, that seems to be the the the, the topic of conversation when I ask this question. You know, because Japan is like you got you don't just have New Japan. You know, you got all Japan. You got uh, Dragon Gate. You know, I think uh, Noah's still out there. You know, you got a lot of different promotions that are actually really really cool. I would like to go there one day. You know, so I, I share the same uh, I share the same aspiration. Um, all right, man. Shit. Uh, before we go, I want to actually before we before we get to that, I wanted to say this, man, you know, just to finish it up. I, I want to work you one day. I don't know if you you know, I mean, you don't know me from Adam, but I am the king <laughs> fat boy, Papa Wesco, and I'm doing it out here in the West Coast. So I'm I, just before the pandemic. I was getting ready to make my way out, you know, to different areas. And I plan on doing that. So um, let's do it, so, man. So one day, man, you know, I hope. This uh, starts a, a beautiful friendship, brother, and and, and you and I keep in touch. And, and one day when we get back to it, we can we can get it on in the ring, man. You you the base guy. I'll, I'll say I'm the base king because I could yeah. I could base I could base pretty goddamn good too. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> so That's maybe what's up, bro. Hey, I and appreciate also, your kind words, man. Yeah, for sure, man. No, but all right, man. Hey, before we go, I like people to to get their self over and 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 make sure that their social media is is sent to everybody so they can check you out. Why don't you go ahead and let everybody know uh, your social medias? Sure, man. Uh, Twitter is Gringo at Gringo Loco OG, and then the Instagram is I am Base Guide underscores in between the words, and Charlie Santo on Facebook if you're into that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. All right, man. On behalf of the podcast, on behalf of Gabriel Ramirez, on behalf of Gringo Loco, I am your master of ceremonies, King Fat Boy Papa Westo. Man, we are out. And just like that, me and did. That is all she wrote. Huge shout out and mad respect to the bass guy, Gringo Loco, for pulling up to straight out of the bodega for the sit down. We had some connection issues, man. It happens. What can I say? But we powered through it and we got it done. Overall, great conversation. We're going to have this man back on real soon with MLW having the restart. He's going to get it popping once again. And I know he's going to start ripping and running throughout the United States one more time. So we'll have you back soon, brother. Until then, you stay safe and you stay healthy. Well, that's all the time we got. We'd like to thank you for listening. And we know you're listening from somewhere. So get on social media and let us know what podcast platform you're using to listen to every single episode of Straight Out of the Bodega. Is it Spreaker? Is it Spotify? Is it Apple Podcast? Is it iTunes? Is it iHeartRadio? Is it a podcast platform we ain't heard of yet? We won't know unless you get on social media and let us know. Also, let us know how we're doing. We don't do this for us, man. We do this for you. So we need to know if we're doing good, if we're doing bad, who you want to hear on a future episode, whatever the case may be, man, just talk to us. We talk back. Speaking of which, you can't talk to us or find us unless you check us out on social media. So check us out. That's straight out of the bodega on Instagram, straight out of the bodega on Facebook and on Twitter. The at sign is S-T-R-8-O-U-T-D-A. B-O-D-E-G-A, straight out the bodega on Twitter. If you got time, 
check me out. Check the King Fat Boy out on social media too. That's Papo Esco on Instagram, Papo Esco on Facebook, Papo underscore Esco on Twitter. Well, that's all I got, man. I ain't got nothing more. So tune in next week for more interviews, more pro wrestling, more entertainment, and more straight out of the bodega. On behalf of the podcast, I am your master of ceremonies, the king, fat boy, Papa Wesco, and we're out. We'll see y'all next week. Ever had a dream of becoming a pro wrestler? Or maybe your dream is becoming a pro wrestling manager, referee, ring announcer, or commentator. If you're ready to turn your dream into reality, then Pro Wrestling Revolution Training Academy is for you. Northern California's premier pro wrestling training academy. Pro Wrestling Revolution Training Academy is located in San Jose, California, and with over 24 years of experience, we specialize in all areas, from lucha libre, American style, ring psychology, industry etiquette, and much more. You'll be welcomed into a family environment where our head trainer, Hall of Famer, the Brown Bomber, Robert Thompson, and our training staff will start you on your journey and fully prepare you to get in the ring and make your dream a reality. Past trainees include AEW's Jungle Boy, UFC World Champion and WWE star, Kane Velasquez, The King Fat Boy, Papo Esco, and many more. Be the next star. Contact Pro Wrestling Revolution Academy now. Call 408 728 8318. Visit our Facebook page or go to prowrestling-revolution.com slash training and make your dream a reality.